Well, hello all, Mike Falkenstein here with 1A Catalyst. Together with my friend Steve Shermer of Silk Road Catalyst, I'm one of the co-hosts of Missions Talk. Missions Talk is a show where we have regular media content on best practices and inside looks into what God is doing around the world in missions, featuring guests that are involved in global missions from parachurch organizations, churches, and other missions networks around the world. We have a deep heart to help you find ways to reach your world for Christ. And in today's episode, Steve and I talked to Dave Coles with the organization called Beyond as we look at solutions to this phenomenon of the church being a mile wide and an inch deep. His solution has to do with something called a disciple-making movement. And Dave walks us through this process. Well, hello, friends. Mike Falkenstein here with 1-8 Catalyst. Uh, I want to be the first one to welcome you to this, the latest episode of Missions Talk. And uh, Steve, I think we've got a good episode today. You know, we've been talking about this idea of the global church and, you know, this phrase we've been hearing about it being a, a mile wide and an inch deep. And we're trying to sort of investigate why that is. And so we've had two episodes now, uh, both of which have just been uh, really, really fantastic. Again, we probably could have done, you know, five or six episodes on this uh, topic. And so um, today, Steve, we've got a um, another guest, uh, Dave Coles, with uh, a organization I'm really just getting to know about and really like everything I've seen, an organization called Beyond. And uh, uh, it's um, I'm excited about this one, Steve, aren't you? I am, and thankful to, we'll just shout out to Justin Long, because we had reached out to him. That's right. And he was the one that introduced us to Dave, which I, I don't know why I didn't pick on this earlier, but uh, getting online with him just a few minutes ago, I realized I actually met him probably, I think it was 2018, maybe 2019, yeah. I can't remember, uh, in Malta, a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. So. I'm excited to have him here. I got to have some conversations with him there and just hear his heart. So it, I, I'm thrilled that he's he's the one that Justin referred us to. That's great. So Dave, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, why don't you just, if you could, give everyone kind of a quick minute or two, sort of here's who you are. Tell us a little bit about Beyond. Uh, introduce yourself. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm married. I have four adult children, six grandchildren. Uh, I was a pastor for 10 years in upstate New York until the Lord called us to uh, focus more directly on the unreached. So I moved all four kids, whole family, uh, Southeast Asia to a Muslim-majority country. And we lived there for 24 years. And I was involved in church planting, teaching at Bible schools, training uh, local leaders, and so on. And for wow. the last... 10 years, been hearing more about church planning movements for the last 10, been focusing quite a bit on that. Now based in the States, but helping out movements all over the place, however I can, especially among the unreached. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that you're going to, uh, yeah, you, you're with some folks that have a similar heart for the unreached, so we're glad to have you here. And so, uh, so Dave, if, um, you know, we've been kind of talking about this uh, phrase that we've been hearing as we go around the world and we talk to church leaders and many of them tell us that they that the church in their country is a mile wide and an inch deep and so mm -hmm. we've just been so it's been so fascinating that we're hearing that essentially that same phrase all over the place and so mm -hmm. that has just got us sort of thinking okay 
what does that mean? Why is that? And now in this episode, we're curious to hear from you about uh, a a tool that has been developed. Uh, we're talking about disciple making movements, right? And mm-hmm. so. Uh, what we're really interested in is let's do what we can to not keep the church, the global church, a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. Let's have it be a mile wide and a mile deep, right? Yes, because amen. it is as you as you add that depth that then people want to you know reach their country. They have the you know the ability to do that, the knowledge, the the faith that you know to be able to do that. So um, give us an idea of. Uh, what is a disciple-making movement, and uh, as as you understand it? Sure, uh, I'll clarify two terms. Uh, some people, when they talk about disciple-making movements, also mention the term church planting movements, and they're similar but not exactly the same. So I'll clarify that okay. first. Uh, sure. A church planting movement is a work of God's Spirit, where disciples reproduce disciples, leaders reproduce leaders, and churches reproduce churches, usually house churches to four or more generations in multiple streams. Oh, great. So that, that's a church planting movement. Uh, and disciple-making movements are a subset of that. So a disciple-making movement is one of many possible approaches or processes that can result in a church planting movement. So there are a number of other approaches God has used and is using to bring about church planting movements, but disciple-making movements, DMM, is the one I know best. So some people use the two terms uh, interchangeably or synonymously, but we found it most helpful to stick with DMM, disciple-making movements, describing the process that brings the result of a church-planting movement. So what happens in a disciple-making movement is Jesus' disciples interact with lost people to find persons of peace who will gather their family or circle of influence to begin a discovery group. And this is an inductive group Bible study process from creation to Christ, learning directly from God through the scripture. So Mm -hmm. this journey toward Christ usually takes several months. And during this process, um, people interact, seekers are encouraged to obey what they learn and to share these Bible studies with their friends, with their family, with others. And when possible, they start new discovery groups with their family or friends. And then at the end of that process, the new believers are baptized and they start a several-month discovery Bible study process on church planting uh, where they grow as disciples and are formed into a church. And then as they continue mm-hmm. to grow, obey his word, they find new persons of peace, make new disciples, start new churches, which reproduces the whole process. That's it wow. in a nutshell. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks It's glorious. <laughs> yeah, it sure sounds like it. And, you know, Dave, as you were just talking, I, I, can't, I couldn't help but think through, uh, you know, of course, I bet a bunch of this is, is really developed kind of around this idea that we find in Second Timothy 2, too, right? Mm-hmm. The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses yep. and trust to reliable men who will be able to teach others also. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that's the thing that in our Western church, anyway, that gets lost in this idea of, discipleships in in the West, a lot of times it's sort of a program or a 12-week mm-hmm. curriculum of some kind, but really it is life on life, and it is uh, investing your life in others that can invest in others, right? That it is, really is. Yeah, so I'm glad to, uh, I'm glad to hear that. So, you know, I, uh, I fell in love with Discovery Bible Studies years ago, I think. I think they're powerful. I, I've just seen incredible things happen through them, so I, I definitely am a, a big proponent for them. That's great. That's great. So, Dave, I'm wondering, um, 
so disciple making is in this word of disciple making movements. And so mm-hmm. uh, how is uh, discipleship then uh, built into kind of the, the, the disciple making movement kind of style methods? Yeah, really the heart of DMM is this inductive study of the Bible followed by obedience to God's word. So the heart of the, the inductive study consists of just a few simple questions. Number one, what does this teach us about God? So the group will read a text, or if they're illiterate, they might listen to it, um, have someone read it. First question, what does this text teach us about God? They'll all discuss and share. Second question, what does this teach us about people or humanity, about us? Third, and they'll discuss that. Third question, what will you do to obey this teaching? So everybody will share what they're going to do to obey that, that scripture. And then the fourth, who will you share this with before we meet again? So everybody commits, yeah, I'll share it with this person. And so the Holy Spirit guides these discussions. Uh, the questions are very simple, uh, nothing complicated. You don't need an education to ask the questions. Uh, someone will ask, facilitate, but there's no teacher in the group. Everybody discusses. Holy Spirit leads and guides people to appropriate steps of obedience. Then the next time the group meets, often just a few days later or maybe a week later, they'll all share testimonies of what God has done. So there's accountability for that obedience. So last week you said you were going to do this as your action step. How did it go? And everybody expects an answer. You know, you said you'd share with this person. How did that go when you shared? So each person mm. takes, goes around and shares how they obeyed what God told them to do and who they share this week's story with. So that process, the study of God's word, obedience in applying God's word, mutual accountability and encouragement in obeying the word are at the very heart of DMM. So discipleship isn't like an optional add-on to some promise of eternal security. Discipleship mm. is the very heart of what happens consistently in DMM. So living as obedient disciples, making more disciples, that's viewed as normal and expected behavior for all of Jesus' followers. Yeah, that's right. I like a number of the things that you've said, and I was going to ask a follow-up question, and you already sort of answered it, but I like the <laughs> accountability piece, mm-hmm. right? Okay, you said you were going to do that. Uh, how did it go? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm wondering then is uh, in that whole process of these questions that are asked, I'm curious if the <clears throat> accountability piece is the the hardest for others to do uh, amongst a group because, you know, in some cultures, uh, kind of holding people accountable to stuff is, I'm thinking of Asian cultures in particular, is hard, right? They don't want that person to lose face or whatever. Um, is that the hardest piece of that that you guys find? You know, ironically, I think in some ways it's harder for Westerners because we don't really like accountability. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, so that's right. I'd say in, in some of the uh, Asian cultures, the shame factor actually works in favor of the gospel because they know they'll be asked the question, and so they're very motivated to obey. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> they want to have something to share. And so in my interaction with movements, I've not heard them uh, share concerns or problems with that. Their problems are other things. It's usually Westerners who are really kind of uneasy about this whole accountability for obedience thing. We really are used to obedience being optional. If I feel like it, I'll do it. If I don't feel like it, I won't do it. And that's so honestly, in, in my experience so far in 10 years time or so, it's mainly the Westerners that are uneasy with this accountability for obedience. So yeah, that's really funny. 
Yeah, one yeah. of the things I've seen is this pattern of, uh, you know, ex expecting obedience. It's different than two other patterns that a lot of listeners are familiar with. And this touches on the whole uh, mile wide, inch deep thing. Most mm. Westerners are familiar, the Norman Western Christianity, where being a Christian essentially means you pray a prayer to receive forgiveness of sin, you attend church regularly, you agree with a set of biblically sound doctrines. That's, that's it. Additional activity, additional discipleship, that's kind of optional. It's kind of a, a super Christian thing. If you really want to go for it, that's optional. That's Western Christianity, sadly, in general, and, and uh, that's not discipleship. The other pattern that I think is in a lot of people's mind, when we hear that phrase, um, mile wide, inch deep, we often think of, of non-Western countries, Africa, uh, Asia, whatever. Uh, we, and that's because, I would say, uh, because of mass movements that have taken place where huge numbers of people, often in Africa, Asia, have come to faith altogether. And in these mass right. movements, a lot of people become Christians from maybe a tribal or animist background. But the pattern of Christianity that they learned often reflects the pattern in the West. Pray a prayer to receive forgiveness, attend church to hear somebody else talk about Scripture, agree to some doctrines, and everything else is kind of optional. And the result is a mile wide, an inch deep, because of that idea of optional obedience. So, whereas in a movement, it's not like somebody's standing over with a whip. It's like, everybody loves Jesus, so why wouldn't we obey him? It's just mm. assumed from the very start that the thing Amen. we do is we read God's word and we obey. And it works. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, Dave, let me ask this just super quick follow-up question because you mentioned yeah. this discovery Bible studies and whatnot. Is this actually a curriculum that's got books and workbooks and stuff, or is this just – I'm curious to know, partially because for those watching, if they go, hey, I'd love to do something like this, is there a curriculum of some kind, or how do you normally uh, get this out to folks? Yeah, there is not really a curriculum. There are some books about this process, and I can point folks to some later. Um, but the, the essential, the heart of the curriculum is these four questions I just gave you. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and, and there's a reason for that, because things that are complicated don't reproduce very quickly. Things that are simple can reproduce. You don't need mm. a, a seminary education to do this. You don't even need any education to do this. We have illiterate people that are multiplying churches, planting churches that plant mm. churches, because those four questions, and to, to round out the group, you can start, uh, and usually groups do, start with, um, what's something good that's happened to you this week? What are you thankful for? Everybody shares. What's a concern or a problem you have? Everybody shares. After they become believers, those become prayer points. But you start with that mm -hmm. before they even know Jesus. What are you thankful for? What are your problems? You discuss, and then you dig into these four questions. After the scripture, that's the focus. God, people, what are you going to obey? Who are you going to tell? So it's so reproducible. You don't have to buy any curriculum. You don't have to pay for books. You don't have to import anything. You just get those four questions in the right language and find the person of peace who will gather the group, and the group can happen, grow, come to faith, multiply. Again, that's why these movements are movements. They don't depend on money. They don't depend on books. They don't depend on education. They depend on the Spirit of God and God's Word. That's it. Uh, that's awesome. That's it awesome. Is. 
That's awesome. Well, Steve, I know you wanted to ask some questions about kind of how well this is working and whatnot. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to, uh, to hear the answers to that as well. Yeah, so let's first start. Let's prep my question or um, set the stage first. So you said a few things. No seminary training required. Uh, no teacher this, yeah. involved, which I, I know probably stepped on some toes right there, you know. You know, I love my church. Our church has elders. Our church has seminary trained pastors. I love it. I would not be part of a different church right now. Uh, but at the same time, I get what you're saying. But I also know people hearing. They're gonna take. They're gonna pause for a moment. Feel uncomfortable for some. Maybe for many. Who knows? And and let's be honest. There are some naysayers out there. Uh, there are mm -hmm. some strong critics of church planning movements and disciple making movement methodology that's out there. I listen to some uh, in mm -hmm. their podcasts just to hear what they have to say. The third Can I comment on a couple of those things before you ask the question. Sure. And then, yeah. And then I'll go into the, the actual question. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> Less people misunderstood what I've said. And I appreciate that. Uh, movements are not anti-seminary. They're not anti-intellectual and they're not anti-education. In fact, one of the movements I know best, um, the leaders, uh, many of them are Bible school trained. And in many of the movements, some of the folks do go to Bible schools, seminaries. The point is, it's not dependent on that. It can grow without that. And there's actually is a lot of teaching that happens. Discovery Bible study is not the only form of teaching or growing or learning the scripture that happens in movements. That's the essential beginning for many of these movements. But as time goes on, yeah, people with the gift of teaching will have opportunities to teach, to, to share things from the word. And also, um, the, the Discovery Bible study process is not um, leaderless in that sense. Uh, someone is saying, let's do this text next. In other words, someone is guiding that group and saying, okay, this week your text will be this one. And how did it go last week? So there's usually someone kind of shadow pastoring the process, not teaching the group directly, but saying they're guiding it so that it stays on track. So it's not anti-teacher, not anti-intellectual, not anti-education. Now I'll let you ask your question, Steve. No, I, I appreciate you clarifying <laughs> that because I, no, I, I would agree with you because, you know, I think when we think teacher, it's just someone who goes and studies in their, um, in their study at home or at the church, and then they just uh, teach you what you need to believe, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm not against. I love listening to my pastor. I love learning from him. But I do see the value in discovering together as a group yeah. and yep. the accountability within the group that's built into discovering what the Bible says mm -hmm. together, not what we're, one person is interpreting. I think there can be a mixture of both in our mm -hmm. lives, um, and, and I think that's good. So in this method and with people who are hesitant, I, I mm -hmm. think the big argument I hear, and I just heard it actually yesterday, heresy. You know, I, I heard a brother say, well, you know, we've asked people about heresy and they say they haven't seen it. And, and the guy, his only response um, against that was, well, it just hasn't happened yet. Uh, it's like, well, that's not even a response, really. That's that's it, it didn't make any sense. I was a little disappointed in his answer, you know, I. I yeah. And then they try to qualify, well, you know, there's heresies within the traditional legacy churches as well. Of course, there could be heresy. We saw it in China. We saw heretical movements start mm -hmm. out of house churches. 
So mm -hmm. it can happen anywhere. So how do you, uh, is there heresy? I'll add this question. I wasn't, it wasn't in the list I sent you, but <laughs> is there heresy popping up? How is it dealt with if there is? And then, you know, you, you're, you're answering this next question anyways, but is this even really working? I mean, do you have actual examples that you can share with us safely, of course? Mm -hmm. um, is this even working to reach mm -hmm. people and to disciple them? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go after the heresy one first. Um, I have not done theological research in every movement happening, but uh, I can say that the movements that we know of, there are people checking on that, and we interact, and it's interesting. Historically, yes, heresies have happened, and as you look at the history of the Church, usually the heresy happens when there is one very gifted teacher or leader, and people listen to what that teacher says because he said it. We think of Arianism, Apollinarianism, you know, and so many of the isms that begin with the name of the guy or the woman. Nah, they didn't usually name them after women, did they? The, the, the guy who started it. And so um, there's a huge difference between a process where the group studies together and everybody can say, so I didn't really see that in the text. Where did you see that? When people are thought to, to grapple with the text for themselves, they're not easily led into heresy. Again, the heresies tend to happen, uh, and you see this even in mainline churches in the West, where somebody with a lot of education, a lot of authority, a lot of clout, has led the church off track, and the people are just used to following. But in disciple-making movements, people are used to following the Scripture, not one leader. In fact, it's ironic. Usually, as these movements go down the generations, seven generations, ten generations, often the people four or five generations down don't even know the person who started the movement because they don't all get together and there's no personality cult around Mr. Whoever that started it. They only know their discipler, maybe the person that reached their discipler. So people only know a couple generations. There's no big pyramid figure that tells everybody what to do. So that, that issue of heresy, uh, it really is a red herring. Um, as we've uh, grappled with these movements, and at this point, yes, it really is working. Um, careful research has found, at this point, 1,371 movements, that is more than four generations of churches planting churches mm, in great. multiple streams. So over 1,000 of these movements, and mm. as we interact with these folks, they're very sound in their theology. Uh, I ask them sometimes, like, who is Jesus? And they'll give the most glorious Christology uh, compared with, you know, research in Western churches that actually has kind of pitiful percentages of what people believe about Christology. So, uh, yeah, that is not an issue. So it's really working, and uh, disciples are really making and multiplying disciples. So I don't know if you want me to dig into the, the depth of what's happening there, but where do you want to go next, Steve? No, I think that's good. I mean, I've I've heard some of the, you know, I've heard Justin Long talk about the report, especially when we were in Malta. He gave an extensive report on some of those movements. It wasn't even at a thousand at that point. So right. uh, it's actually exciting to hear that. And I think your answer mm -hmm. on the heresy part is probably the best answer I've heard so far. Great. And, Thanks. And uh, some of that will be in a book, uh, Lord willing, that'll come out later this year from Motus Dei. And um, I... My chapter in the book was answering uh, criticisms of movements. So 
I was sort of prepped for the question, even though I didn't know it was coming. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I wanted to ask the question because I know, you know, I, I was before I think even Discovery Bible Studies was even a thing or even created. I was mm-hmm. grappling with this. Uh, I would call it a deep theological what I had a, an issue with or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was probably in the in the mid 90s. And so I went to one of our pastors. This is a guy who has a PhD from Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth. And I was asking him, can you please explain this? Because when I read scripture, I'm not really getting what, you know, is the typical Southern Baptist theology on that topic. I'm not finding it. And his only response to me was, well, it's in there. And I said, well, where is it? He goes, well, my seminary professors taught me that this was the truth. So it's the truth. And he just left it at that. And that was the end wow. of the discussion. And I was like, all right. Um, that's, <laughs> you know, and that's only one experience yeah. that I've had. You know, my pastor today, he would never, ever answer a question like that. And he would be extremely careful to try to uh, explain. But I, I really appreciate that. And so... You know, for people who are either on the fence or people who are convinced, you know, maybe maybe they had a, a, a moment, you know, an aha moment just now. And they're like, oh, this is what I need to be looking into. You know, where can they learn about this? I appreciate that you mentioned the book, because I think for many years, my opinion on this, even though I've been pro this effort, I think we have it. There hasn't been enough effort in trying to grapple with some of the the um, the critics or the criticisms. Mm-hmm. So I do appreciate you bringing up that book and and some of the criticism that you are addressing in there. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to look forward to getting to that book because I think it's going to be critical. So, and you know, what resource can you point people to that can help them better understand DMM or CPM? Yeah, the very uh, best resource, extremely accessible at this point, would be the website of the 2414 Coalition. And you can pop that up. They'll see that. And that website has a collection of some of the very best stuff right now happening uh, with church planting movements. It has up-to-date statistics as Justin Long gets new information. Uh, Like you mentioned, a year or two ago, the number was not nearly 1,000. Now it's well over. As Justin gets more information, that's updated on, I think it's the resources page of that. It has a blog with uh, information. It has ways to get connected. Uh, the resource page also has lots of books uh, about uh, church planning movements. Mike's question earlier, you know, is there a book? Um, not a curriculum book, but a lot of books about what's happening there. And I would especially recommend two books as the ones to start with. Uh, The book 2414, A Testimony to All Peoples, is a compilation of writers. It's, um, I think, 30-some writers uh, from over 10 different countries, different nationalities. And it talks about what is a movement, church planning movement, disciple-making movement. It has case studies, testimonies of what's happening in movements. It has description of... uh, how different churches have gotten involved, uh, legacy churches have focused on movements, how mission agencies, including our own agency beyond, have shifted from a traditional church planning approach to a DMM approach. Uh, 
So that book is one I'd recommend. Also, Jerry Trousdale's book, Miraculous Movements. It's been around for almost a decade now, and that's a great book. It's a lot of motivational stories, so you get the vibe of what's happening. And then toward the end, it describes the DBS process and all. So I would say those two are the starter books. Uh, look at the website. It's, it's quick. It's easy. But grab those two books as a starting place. If somebody wants to really get involved, um, the 2414 has a way to connect with that. But also, I would recommend a training. Um, it's mm. not uh, back to Mike, your question about a curriculum. It's not a written thing where you like read the book and then go do it. And I recently interacted with some folks who kind of tried that and they were disappointed because it's in a sense, it's more caught than taught. You know, it's got a, it's a relational thing. It's something that takes coaching. It takes interaction. So if somebody, whether they're in a, a UPG context, unreach context or in the West, I strongly recommend get involved in a training and then get somebody to coach you and help you walk through the process if you're serious about seeing some fruit out of this. Because it's not just a, oh, I read the book, I've got the recipe, add water, it's going to be a movement. No, that, <laughs> that isn't going to happen because it's not a recipe. It is a very relational Holy Spirit thing dependent on the sovereignty of God. And so uh, we can do all the right things, but it's up to God to make a movement happen. And that happens best in interaction with our brothers and sisters who have experience and are further along. Amen. <laughs> I think that's, I think we can end right there, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it is great to hear David, you know, uh, all that's happening and, uh, you know, I love this idea that, you know, if you can get down these four questions, uh, you can kind of take this thing anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, even what you said about uh, people that are illiterate, because, you know, that's always a concern on the missions yeah. field. What do we do yeah. as we run across mm -hmm. that? You know, the uh, little I know about uh, Bible translation, of course, that's always a mm -hmm. concern. And so sure. this idea of I would think week after week as people are meeting and they're they're repeating these four questions, they can get it, right? I mean, they mm -hmm. can remember those four oh, things, yeah. and that's really all they need. So um, that's great. So, Dave, you've been, it's really been interesting, and I really appreciate your time. And uh, I guess before we let you go, I would be interested in just um, giving folks an opportunity to connect with you and beyond, mm -hmm. and uh, what would be the best ways to if people have questions about this, if they want to connect with you and kind of interact more yep. and learn about Beyond, what are the best ways for people to do that? Sure. Um, yeah, two very good ways to connect with me. Uh, the 2414 website has a contact us form. And if people uh, write in there and say, hey, I'm trying to get a hold of Dave Coles, uh, they will connect them with me. Um, also, beyond.org is our organization's website. We have some great videos. I highly recommend those videos as, again, another entry point for learning about what is this? What is DMM? Uh, so go see the videos. Uh, we also have some, some basic equipping. And also Beyond, if you drop a note to Beyond and say, hey, can you put me in touch with Dave Coles? They'll be happy to do that. And I'd be happy oh. to hear from them. Oh, that's great. Well, I certainly recommend to all of you to uh, to do that because, you know, particularly for those that are, um, you know, in a an international context or, mm -hmm. gosh, it sort of seems like, you know, you could start, uh, you know, going through these four questions even in your own community group or small group or Sunday school class at your own church oh, yeah. here in the in the States, right? I mean, it sure, oh, would yeah. be a, it sure would be a good tool. So, 
Oh, uh, can I tell you a quick story on that, Mike? Yeah, um, please. At the church that I used to pastor, it's it's still our sending church, so I'm back there preaching once every couple of years or so, and they are always asking, you know, what can we apply from what you're seeing on the field? So just for fun, in my sermon time, I used a DBS approach, and with this whole congregation, I learned this from a brother in Sierra Leone, um, with the whole congregation, we did a DBS and people had so much fun with it. They were so interactive. So the pastor's wife after the service said, we should do this every week. So, <laughs> right. so I've, I've not found Westerners to be resistant to the, uh, this inductive Bible study approach. They often will be like, wow, this is good. This is really interesting. And so if they're willing to do the follow-up and the next week ask, how did it go, and, and actually do that, I think some great things could happen. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't have to turn turn every church into a DBS church, but there's some great stuff here to bless people. Yeah, that sure sounds like it. And particularly from what I know about the research I'm doing now on the Western Church, there's kind of a lack of interest in theology generally. And so just to get people, you know, deeper into God's word and then yeah. to be obeying God's word, you know, that's a. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, there's never going to be anything wrong with that, right? So, yep. uh, real discipleship. So, if people want to go deeper, uh, the thing to do is to do the biblical stuff in discipleship. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So, Steve, as we end, any last thoughts from you uh, before we uh, end this episode? I mean, I'm not going to add anything. I just, Dave, thanks for giving us your time. Thank you for sharing your uh, your experience. I think there's a lot of valuable information that you've given us today. Mm. Um, and to our listeners. So I just appreciate you giving us the time today to do this. My pleasure. Thanks, guys, for the opportunity. Yeah, it's been fun to have you. For those watching, you know, uh, apply this stuff. This is really good, you know, for your uh, even your home church to be able to, you know, uh, be less than or be to be more than an inch deep, right? To go, 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 go deeper. That's really uh, you know, important. So, hey, uh, sorry, uh, I am going to add something. <laughs> sorry, okay, something just do. came to mind, Mike, as you were talking. Um, okay. And please correct me if I'm mispronouncing the name. I don't know if you uh, if you uh, promote his book or not, but uh, Roy Moran, I think, is yes. it Moran? Yes, uh, I know Roy. Uh, the Hybrid Church. Yes. You know, for legacy churches, traditional churches, brick and mortar church, whatever you want to call yourself. If yeah. you're looking, if you want to know how a church in the U.S. that is traditional in nature and has a, a long history, how they've taken the DMM principles and applied it within their context uh, in Kansas City, get the book. You can get it on mm -hmm. Amazon. We'll throw up a link so you can see it. It's it's not a long book. It's it's just really good. So I I, I promote this a lot with uh, traditional churches. Uh, just as they're grappling with this um, so mm -hmm. they can see how one church in the U.S. has actually applied it. And uh, they're doing it with both kinds of churches operating simultaneously. Yep. Yeah, it's a great model. And um, that's a good book. I know Roy is a good brother. And another book some folks might be interested in for the Western context would be Mega Church to Multiplication. And uh, mm. that also is a model of a very significant church that shifted models. Mm. And um, clearly, they're not saying every church should do this. And I'm certainly not saying that. I think there's definitely a place for um, legacy churches continuing what they've been doing and grappling with 
how might God want to work to make our discipleship deeper, as well as how might God want to use us to more effectively reach the lost mm. around us and around the world. So thanks for that, Steve. That's great. That's great. So, um, wow, a lot of resources, a lot of opportunity. And so, uh, yeah, I would just encourage all of you to, uh, yeah, connect with Dave, uh, get, get some of these resources because, um, yeah, it really is true that, uh, you know, when uh, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples as a command, he really wants us to go and make disciples, right? Yes. So uh, <laughs> that's uh, that. Uh, uh, and he follows that up, as I often talk about with, uh, you know, Jesus giving these commands and then Jesus saying, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, right? Yes. So you'll obey. Uh, it is really true. So, Dave, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I appreciate all of you and uh, uh, you all joining us. And uh, we'll look forward to having you uh, with us on the next episode of Missions Talk. To find out more about Missions Talk or to watch previous episodes, please go to facebook.com forward slash missions talk. It is on our Facebook page that we have the catalog of all of our episodes. To find out more about my organization, 18 Catalyst, please go to 18catalyst.org. And to find out about Steve's work with Silk Road Catalyst, please go to silkroadcatalyst.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Missions Talk.